what happened was they said, well, you know, we, we can't accept dollars anymore from the SWIFT, so pay us in rubles. And then they're like, well, we don't want to pay you in rubles. And then the Russians are like, fine, pay us in gold. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, well, we paying gold. Like, how are we going to do that? Well, the bigger picture was around the same time, they said, we'll, we'll give you 5,000 rubles for one gram of gold. And people had correctly pointed out, it's not necessarily a gold backing by the central bank because the central bank is not giving you gold out. And it kind of looks like it's an oil window out, but then there's a gold backing behind that. So it looks like it's a de facto gold system that a gold petro system that Russia has more or less introduced to the world at the moment. And the beauty of it is it seems like there can't be a run on gold with the central bank, which more or less happened with us in 1971. The big picture was, is that this week, it seems that uh, by the end of March, um, these contracts are going to have to start being uh, renegotiated, whether they're being, uh, they're getting rubles or gold or whatever it is, that's going to have to probably start by the end of this week. So now the big, big question here is, what is the price of oil and gold? Is it 1.5 grams? Is it one gram per, per barrel? And that, that's the big question now. Welcome to this RTD interview today. I'm excited to have a first-time guest, Nate Fisher, the writer, blogger, monetary enthusiast, educator, researcher, you name it. Uh, excited to have him on the show. He's a prolific writer, and today he's joining us to share his thoughts on the current monetary system as well as the gold restructuring that's taking place in the world. So, Nate, welcome to RTD Interviews. Thanks for being here, Mike. Well, as I mentioned, I appreciate you taking time to sit down with us. You know, I, I, I read your work and you do a great job of breaking down extremely complicated situations into some basically the, 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 the average person can understand. So I appreciate that. And uh, I want to just dive right in. So, you know, based upon what you've done research wise, and I want to get your thoughts. Where are we at right now? Using a sports metaphor, if we're, you know, baseball, what inning are we in? If we play basketball, what quarter are we in in this global de-dollarization introduction of gold back to the system type of thing? I don't want to mess up the metaphors too much, but maybe seventh inning stretch of baseball, uh, maybe coming into the fourth quarter in football, if you will. It, it seems to me that some things have happened over the last month globally, which have kind of accelerated some things uh, that happened. So uh, the, the basis for a lot of what I just, I, I just wrote some article last week that I don't know, right now it's like 125,000 views or something like that. It, it, it kind of went around, uh, around Twitter a bunch, but um, with that, I mean, it was basically based off of what uh, Luke Roman was saying uh, about a month ago on Palisades, and it just kind of blew my mind away. So that's kind of where it originated, and then I kind of built out some of my own flavor from there. Okay, sounds good. So once again, I, I, forgot, I think I forgot to mention, but you know, you, you're right over at renaissanceman.org, and so I'll definitely I'll put the link to that for so people can check you out and definitely subscribe and stay plugged in because you do a great job of informing people. So, uh, so let's let's jump right in. You know, as far as the gold standard, you know, is it here? It was what happened? Is what happening in Russia with the use of gold for trade things like that? Is that the first step, or, or what are you thinking? Well, it was really tricky, and I can't really on video go through relatively complicated math with you here. A lot of that would be in the article. Um, but basically what, what, what happened was they said, um, well, you know, we, we can't accept dollars anymore from the SWIFT, so pay us in rubles. And then they're like, well, we don't want to pay you in rubles. And then the Russians are like, fine, pay us in gold. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, well, we 
paying gold. Like, how are we going to do that? Well, the bigger picture was around the same time, they said, we'll, we'll give you 5,000 rubles for one gram of gold. And people had correctly pointed out, it's not necessarily a gold backing by the central bank because the central bank is not giving you gold out. But I, I went under the hood a little bit further and it kind of looks like it's an oil window out, but then there's a gold backing behind that. So I did some relatively complicated math to, to point out the fact where it looks like it's a de facto gold system that a gold petro system that Russia has more or less introduced to the world at the moment. And the beauty of it is it seems like there can't be a run on gold with the central bank, which more or less happened with us in 1971. So people thought, well, we could never have a peg to gold ever again, but they set up this kind of system where the gold, the ruble, oil, they're all kind of linked together in such a way that there can't be a run on the system where is it looks like gold would be pegged to the ruble at some number and then and then gold would float with oil at a market value, if you will. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, a, a run of gold to oil to the, to, the, to the bank, the price of oil just goes up in gold. So you can never essentially take it all from the central bank because the price will just go vertical. So you can't necessarily bankrupt the central bank in that type of environment, but the gold will be the currency then that you could buy it in and then Russia or whomever could use that gold to then trade for other goods, which those goods you give for the gold back and then you can turn around and buy oil uh, from, from Russia with that gold. So it's, it's relatively complicated with some math in the back end, but the big picture was, is that this week, it seems that uh, by the end of March, um, these contracts are going to have to start being uh, renegotiated, whether they're being, uh, they're getting rubles or gold or whatever it is, that's going to have to probably start by the end of this week. So now the big, big question here is, what is the price of oil and gold? Is it 1.5 grams? Is it one gram per, per barrel? And that, that's the big question now, because if it's too much, uh, if, it, if it's too high uh, of a price of grams of gold, so be it. But if it's too low, what that does then is it makes that uh, like U.S. shale producers, it costs them about $60 or so to produce a barrel of oil. And if Russia, by, by you know, setting this standard, creates a $50 barrel of oil in gold, if you will, then there's this huge arbitrage where people will run to buy gold to then take that oil and then turn around and sell that oil for a massive profit. That brings the gold price up in U.S. dollars, but the ruble does not move. So it's this weird thing where the ruble can gain a lot of ground on the dollar by just having oil prices at like $50, $60 a barrel in gold terms. So that's kind of the roundabout way of describing it without showing lots of math equations. <laughs> right. And, that's, uh, and so with that transition there with the announcement, rather, of uh, that particular number, 5,000 rubles for one gram, and that, you know, being publicly put out there, it didn't really travel much on the mainstream news, but it definitely traveled in the, in the alternative media. You did a great job of diving on it. But I'm thinking like one gram ago, the power of one single gram can be transformative in this whole monetary order right now. And uh, the biggest concern, I guess, will be the response by the West, especially with all the price setting mechanisms that are in place with the Comex, LBMA, all the, the nickel side of things, all that stuff has just been imploding. 
And of course, we've seen more of it. The Eastern nations looking to have the physical spot price for physical delivery on things. I saw something about India looking to do something recently. We know the Shanghai Gold Exchange or saying Shanghai Oil Exchange and all those things out there. So we're going to have two worlds, the, you know, the, the paper, the paper, digital stuff and the physical at some point. So I'm assuming this is the collision right now. And as you mentioned, yeah. with the renegotiating these contracts coming up, we're going to find out some true, get some real fireworks, huh? Yes. Yeah, so the big picture was it seems like it's the, the the West has this paper system like the COMEX, if you will, where, you know, they can paper the price down. Um, I know some people say there's no such thing as manipulation, but take a look at all the fines out there uh, against all the banks that have been doing this on gold and silver for for years. Um, but that collision that you're talking about that's happening um, as of right now, uh, the banks are very short gold and silver. Extremely short because today is the metals uh, the metals options ox, uh, expiration monthly. So this morning you wake up and uh, the price of gold and silver dive overnight on no news at all um, because the, the this expiration and before this the banks were all already short tons of gold and silver with the paper contract. So if at this point in time Russia comes out and says, "Hey, look, uh, we're going to do one gram per barrel for for oil," which is still profitable for them. It takes the gold price to $3,400 in a week. And when that happens, all those banks that are massive short go nickel, like that happened a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. because all these things are going to be limit up every day, <laughs> all day to play that arbitrage. So the, 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 the big thing here is with the Shanghai exchange, the, the exchange that's being stood up in the Middle East, I think it's UAE. Um, and then the announcement last week or a couple of weeks ago about India standing up a physical exchange. It seems like they're trying to go towards a uh, a physical commodity backed uh, trade where you can't sell something unless you have it. Now, I think there still be uh, some um, use for a COMEX for true and legit hedging, but a lot of the paper charades may go away. So it won't necessarily be a price maker anymore. It'll be a price taker based on the physical exchanges in the East. So that's what it looks like it might be playing out as. So in the de-dollarization process, you know, that definitely throws some curveballs or, or actually or, or do it or does it actually, because the sanction side of things from the West, painting the whole global geopolitical events with Ukraine and Russia has been the catalyst for all this stuff right here. But, you know, on this channel here, I've been talking about, you know, the, the, the moment where the East turns on the light switch and the light switch, of course, was shine light on gold. And well before now with the Basel three and things like that, you know, gold was already being positioned as a tier one uh, asset. And so here we are now, gold is on, you know, headlines. Is this accidental or is this intentional? Of course, you, I don't want to go conspiratorial, but but at this current moment, conspiracy truth has become very prevalent as also. But what, what are your thoughts on that, if you don't mind sharing? Well, I'll tell you, it looks to me like Russia just wants to continue selling oil as is. I don't think they're going to try and break all the markets. So if they come out and say, you know, a barrel of oil is 1.5 grams per barrel or something like that, it's going to make the price of gold go up in US dollars. So maybe it goes up to $2,400 or something like that. So what that means to the layperson is you need more dollar currency units to buy one ounce of gold. Okay. So people think, well, gold appreciated in value. That's not it at all. What it is, is you need more currency units to buy uh, one ounce of gold. So it's like a currency debasement is being realized mm -hmm. in that situation. So the, the bigger question for you is, that I guess the Germans balked at paying in gold. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why would they? If, if gold legitimately is worth almost, you know, 1950 an ounce or 1930, whatever it is today, well, what's, what's the problem with taking the US dollars you were going to spend for, for the oil and turn around and buy gold with that and, and give, it, give the oil to the Russians? Mm-hmm. What's the damage in that? Well, is gold actually worth 1950 or is it worth a lot more than that? And, mm-hmm. you know, by, by capitulating to this and, and actually paying in gold, it then catches a bid for gold worldwide and then revalues it much, much higher. Now, people would say, well, you know, I, I can't ever see people putting gold on a plane and sending it to Russia. Well, good thing is, is the 21st century. You know, you have kinesis out there that you can buy gold in KAU and in seconds send that to uh, another account. And then there's, they got vaults all over the world. And then whatever company is on the receiving end of that can get that gold shipped to them if they don't necessarily want to hold it there. Um, just this morning in my, in my inbox, I, I saw uh, their Kinesis has launched a, a company account. <laughs> Perfect timing, if you will, because that means that my United States account can take my, um, my, my dollars and buy gold and send it to anybody in any company all over the world. Um, so Kinesis, I don't think is unique in that. Uh, I, I do have a, a stake in them. I, I just wanted to, to mention that. But, um, you know, there's federated systems out there. You can use brokers that, you know, you can have intermediaries that, that, that get involved with this where you can, you know, buy oil from India in dollars or whatever, but they're buying it from Russia in rupees or, or, or um, the ruble, if you will. So there can be a lot of different ways that, that happens here. But the big picture is, is that all of this set into um, it, it set into motion that there's not a need for the U.S. dollar anymore to do these transactions. Right. And just was it two weeks ago, Jerome Powell in front of Congress said, "Well, there can be more than one reserve currency," which is <laughs> right. what are you doing there? So um, it does look like then what could happen is you have potentially less need for dollar, so the demand for the dollar decreases. And maybe a lot of those dollars start coming home, which then creates more inflation here. And Mike Maloney had talked about that. So I learned a little bit from from him and others with that kind of thing is those those dollars that we exported over 40, 50 years are going to start coming back and we're going to import that. But furthermore, you look at the whole thing of this with supply chains. Now, if you see what happened with the German uh, energy policies, well, we're going to get our energy from France, and we're going to get our, our gas from 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 Russia. We're we're going to we're going to turn off all of our coal. Well, they just created a policy that relied on others for energy, and I think that's going to be um, I think that's going to be a template of what countries are going to not do. I think they're all going to now start um, relying on on local supply chains, and what that means for us here is it's going to start costing a lot more to buy things because right. we can't rely on getting things from Southeast Asia Asia cheaply then we're going to have to start producing in here like semiconductors. Well, that might cost twice as much. So, you know, we have now a segregation, what seems to be between the BRICS nations, the producers of raw materials and the West, which are the manufacturers, if you will, or, or high-end sellers. Um, it seems like there's a little bit of a divide there where the people that are actually digging this out of the ground want to get paid for it. And I can't blame them. So. Now, another thing you mentioned when you, when you started, I was talking about uh, just, you know, 
helping people understand what's really at play when it comes to the word inflation, you know, the continuation of the monetary expansion of the, of the currency supply, currency in supply. And then also when you repice and go, it's also looking at it as, you know, digital units or currency units, you know, chasing items. And so that is going to be a trend that we're going to see moving forward, i.e. gas prices, as well as, you know, the actual number of units needed to acquire a piece of metal. And so that's going to eventually create some type of, you know, doom loop and inflation, higher wages and all the probably come with that and heading into a slowing economy at the same time the fed is deciding to pull off the ultimate try as i say trifecta you know trying to you know raise interest rates stop the monthly purchases as well as shrink the balance sheet we've we're in uncharted territory how will this play on the domestic front with inflation is it going to be extremely severe or if there, if we go through a recession some people say a recession will kind of you know ease back on some of the prices or what are you thinking so i'll tell you what um some of my friends on Facebook are eventually going to be seeing this, my non-gold and silver friends. Mm-hmm. And I've been ranting and raving about inflation for a long period of time. And early on, it was, well, it's, it's just transitory. Well, I'm like, transitory over what period of time? Um, and basically, over the course of time, well, it's supply chains, this is now they're blaming the Russians. Well, again, I mean, we're going to have to reorganize our entire supply chain. So I've been prepping with buying food. <laughs> over the course of time, because, you know, what people are going to realize is that if inflation is going to stick around for quite some time, you know, something you might buy for $5 now could cost $10 two months from now. So then what happens is that even exacerbates it more because then people take the dollars that they have to get the goods that they can today to avoid paying more for it later. And once that psyche starts taking place, that is also a doom loop um, until you get to a point in time where prices are so high and people already now are stocked up, then you're going to start. That's the whole deflation that I think a lot of people are, they worry about, but we're no, we're nowhere near there yet. Uh, I, I think we have a lot of headaches coming ahead with the inflation, just based off the amount of currency that they put into the environment. And they want to talk about M1, M2 or whatever, however you're measuring it, however you're measuring it, when you take off the, 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 the reserve banking system, when you can just lend as much as you want, all this money is created into the system, which then bids up housing prices. Now, look at, you know, my housing, you know, went up tremendously in the last two years. Great. Well, now what's been happening is our debt is what, $30 trillion? So now what you're looking at is inflate, uh, with, uh, the interest rates need to rise to cool the inflation. Now what's going to happen with that is we're seeing it housing prices are are going to go through the roof and all these people that just bought these you know half million dollar houses are now completely underwater and you're also from there potentially you know higher interest rates to cool this inflation is going to affect the stock market it's going to affect all these companies hiring people all these people now are going to be out of work and now they got to sell a house that they're underwater on and this is the same thing essentially that happened in 2008 with with the with the mortgaging market uh, with the the housing market but it, you know, as people call it, it's the everything bubble. So it's now stocks. I mean, I, I love Tesla. I have Tesla Powerballs here, but when you're at a PE ratio of what, 380 or 350 or whatever it is now, and you're facing, you know, people having a lot less money in their pocket, maybe they're not going to buy an $80,000 EV. Right. And now all of a sudden their sales start going down. And so it that's also a doom loop because when inflation starts getting so high, people people start getting priced out. Right. Now the stuff that's on the shelves, now, now no one can afford it. Now the prices start coming down to get stuff off the shelves. Right. So 
Mm. That's some things to, to think about down the road as well. All right, good point. Now, as we get ready to draw towards the end of our discussion, I wanted to just jump right in and into the meat of everything. And of course, it has to be with the metals. And so I can't, I'll be remiss if I do not ask you about silver. You wrote a piece, uh, I think it was a week, a week or two ago, about you know what concerns you about with, with silver. Give us some of the nuts and bolts of that. And uh, where is silver in all this equation? So I love silver. I am a silver bug. I love silver miners. Um, when I was a kid, I, I, I used to ha- uh, collect silver with, with my dad and the like. So uh, big fan of it. Love the back end uh, studying of all this structure. But what occurred to me was, you know, during this whole silver squeeze thing, that happened about a year ago, I had an article that came out about then um, where I was talking about how this is going to start mooning. Well, it, it did, but then what would, what seemed to happen is the prices were tamped down, if you will. I'm not going to blame anyone on that one, but we could see that there was an invisible hand in the market that, that pushed that down. Um, fast forward about a year later, you see all these commodities going up 10 X on lithium yeah, wheat is really high. Lumber, steel, like everything is just massively high, but yet gold and silver haven't shot up yet. And what I'm worried about is that arbitrage that I was just talking about earlier. If you wake up tomorrow and, and, and Russia sets the price of oil to one gram per barrel, gold effectively will become $3,400 an ounce within a week. And what does that do? Um, it starts limiting up things in exchange. Anybody that's short is about to get blown out. And we just saw the blueprint for this with nickel about a week or two ago. So then my worry was with silver is, well, if I, if I own silver miners and now all of a sudden, you know, the, the silver market, you know, collapses the paper market, how is that going to be priced? So if you have silver in your possession, you don't really care too much, you know, unless you're trying to play some flip on, on it or something. But if you're investing in silver miners, you're worried a little bit about how the, they could play these games that you saw with the nickel market. And if you can't start, tr- if you can't trust your markets anymore, that's kind of, you know, I, I wrote this other thing about the dominoes are falling. We can get that in, into that another time. But the point was that if you start having a lack of trust in your markets and the rule of law is not being applied effectively, that's Western culture right there. And if the East captures trust in those markets with physical exchanges, you know, who's going to be investing in the CME? And that's the danger is the deflation of a silver price in relation to a CME. If no one there is buying CME anymore, but they're, they're, they're trying to do sell, they're pushing the price down. You could wake up one day where silver $10 an ounce on the, on, on, on the CME, but yet it's being exchanged physically for $40 an ounce from Shanghai or something. Like there, there could be things like that, that really just erode um, how silver is being priced and how that's going to affect miners and the like. So it's just concerns I had when you saw the nickel market. It's just what can go wrong. I'm not a futures guy. I'm not, I'm not an economist. But when you start seeing what happened with the nickel um, and how all these commodities are basically, you know, all, all mooning right now, you start to wonder what's going to happen when people are like, give me the physical. Give me what you have. I don't care about your paper. Give me what you have. I don't, you're going to start seeing a lot of these shorts that have been selling and selling and selling. They're going to get blown out whether it's margin calls or they don't have it to give or whatever it is. So that's the danger. I think that many of us are seeing is trust in all of our markets right now. 
Right. One of the things that I've been talking about on my side is that what I call the great divergence between the paper, digital and the physical. You know, what can you get it? What can you actually get it for now in your hands? And on my side, I've been, you know, covering a lot of dealers or whatever online when it comes to, you know, small amounts of just your generic, you know, generic rounds, U.S. minted coins and the premiums will be the deciding factor. Because as you know, they, the, the smart contract, I mean, not smart contract, but the, the contracts can go down to 10, 11, 12 dollars or whatever. But then again, the East has already turned their back against that. Everybody who's awake and aware know what the real uh, value of precious metals are, are at this current moment. So it's going to be like, can I get what I would like to have and how much would it cost me? And what would I be willing to pay on top of what you know the 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 the, the dealer will be looking to sell it for? So premiums will be the deciding factor, in my opinion. But yeah, you're going to see a uh, spot at ten dollars, but Admex have it at forty five dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> see me. Right. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. But yet, you know, we're, we're what almost going into the fourth month of the year 2022, and it's my concern uh, to just try to put people put the right information in front of the right people. And you did a great job of breaking it down for us. If you don't mind, point back to you and how people can get plugged in what you have going on and uh, learn from you. Well, uh, I have the renaissancemen.org blog out there. Um, I also, I'm on Twitter at, at NateFishPA, uh, close to, I don't know, 4,000 or so right now. So I, 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 I tweet out to, to people that really care about a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I do a lot of writing uh, for me and for anybody that's new uh, in the industry that wants to learn about this. Um, so I like to do a lot of outreach with that. I do have a free newsletter um, I can point people to from, from Twitter uh, every couple of weeks. I'll send something out to, I, I, I don't know, I got four or 500 or so on the, on the newsletter now, but trying to educate, trying to get people involved with this because like I was telling you before this in 2019, I was kind of paralyzed when I came into this, where do I go? What do I do? And I think a lot of people are going to start seeing this inflation and start coming to the gold and silver story and the troubles with the dollar and what are they going to do? And part of what I'd like to do is walk them to, you know, people that are smarter than me that can help them out and, and point them to resources for the experts that have been doing this. Like the David Morgans and these guys have been doing this for 30 some years. Point them to those guys so that they can get some really good information on what to do and how they can protect themselves. Understandable. Well, Nate Fisher, thank you for joining us on RT interviews. Definitely looking forward to hopefully connecting again and uh, continue to shine more light on your work. You do a great job of education, uh, educating people rather. So uh, once again, thanks for joining us on RTD interviews. Thank you.